Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, senior. No, I'm not anymore. Sorry. I'm the former senior news editor, now retired. But I'm still the editor of the Fanatic, PW's twice a month comics and pop culture newsletter, but I'm a freelancer doing it. Anyway, check us out online at publisherswiki.com slash comics. Okay, podcast listeners, uh, this is a treat. This is an artist. Um, we kind of go way back. We were just talking about that. Um, uh, uh, Jeff Smith, welcome to More to Come. Hey, hi, Calvin. Thank you. Hey, hey I, nobody told nobody told me you were retired. I, I oh, you didn't notice. Oh, yeah. I don't think we can. I don't think you can do this. I'll, I'm gonna have to re. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, you'll get you'll get used to it. Ah, believe me. Like, like I yes, said, of course, I, I knew you were retired. Congratulations, my friend. Congratulations. Oh, but, well, I, I appreciate that. Yes, you, there's a. If you Google me, you'll see. I uh, they wrote a <laughs> uh, they wrote a retirement story, but it's not a eulogy. I'm still doing some work. I'm a freelancer now. Or as I told my boss, I said, I, you know, and I worked at PW 36 years. Mm-hmm. I said, it's the first time I've been unemployed. He said, uh-huh. you're not unemployed. You're retired. Yes. So, yes. But, uh, but you know, I do want to say, you know, we're, we're gabbing back and forth here because Jeff's a great guy, but this is, this guy also is one of, uh, the great American cartoonists. Uh, he has an incredible style, classic style. He does stories that are richly illustrated, rollicking adventure stories, comedy, uh, 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 science. We're going to talk about all of this and inspirational and really engaging human relations. He brings it all home. He is the author of Bone. If you haven't heard it, heard of it, I don't believe it. If you say you haven't heard of it, one of the, it's, it's a contemporary kids comic classic. Uh, I think first published in 2005. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about this because you publish a version and Scholastic publishes the color version. He is also the author of Russell. They're very different. Um, they, they, your own version of the metaverse, uh, a, a dimension jumping art thief. And this is for, this is for adults, but in the best sense, rich, thoughtful thriller. Uh, and, and what we're going to be talking about for the most part today is Tuki. Uh, book one, uh, the fight for fire. Book two, the fight for family. We're journeying back two million years in the past. The human race is just getting its act together. You are there. And with all of the aforementioned, uh, beautiful artwork, hilarious comedy, and some thoughtful interactions, uh, on top of it. So there. Jeff Smith, once again, thank you for being on More to Come. It is my pleasure, Calvin. I'm looking forward to it. All right. There we go. Where do I even start? Um, <laughs> uh, so you're in Key West right now. Uh, yes. Yep. And- uh, yeah. My wife, V, and I have, we've been down here for about nine years, actually, uh-huh. but we, we still spend summers in, uh, Ohio, in Columbus. In Columbus. Uh, we have a lot of friends there. We have close connections to, the Billy Ireland and their staff and everybody there. And also the cartoon festival that we started up nine years ago. Yes. <laughs> was I, neglected, the, I neglected to mention that, but yes, you're a co-founder along with your wife, Bajaya, of the well, Cartoon Columbus Crossroads. And this is a perfect time, obviously, to mention uh, our, our the, the unforgettable uh, Tom Spurgeon, who was, I guess, the first direct, executive director. He was our, he was our founding family. executive director. 
Uh, we both knew him. Uh, besides being a giant in comics, he was a good dude and a friend. And uh, I miss him. I know you miss him. Um, oh, I miss him. I, the, the, I, I often just think, oh, I wish I could talk to Tom about this. Yeah. You know, or I wish I could ask him about that. Because he always knew about everything. It was yes. really uh, – he was an amazing guy. And uh, I miss him. CXE misses him. I'll tell yes. you and I will okay. say, though, that we, we, we had an interim executive director, Jersey Droads, for two oh, good. years. Mm-hmm. And now we've, we have, uh, Jay Callaghan, who started last year. Great. Guy. And, uh, he's amazing. He's, he's Terrific. doing very well. So this year will be our ninth, uh, edition, as they say in Europe, our ninth edition of the festival. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And yes, it's, it's yes, already great. lined up. It's a great comics arts festival, and I might add, I got to go there, uh, and sadly, just before Tom passed away, he brought, he made it a point to make sure I was there, and it was yeah. a, a one of the great, you know, indie festivals in, in the country. Yeah. This year, we've got, we've got, so, oh my God, I don't, we, we'll yeah, talk about we'll that, talk all, about, we'll talk about this the whole show. We'll talk about that forever, but, you know, but anyway, so, but, I, it, Let's talk about, cause you're also starting your Dawn of Man tour. So this takes us right into Tukey. So tell us what, you know, I, I hyped it. Tell us what Tukey is. All right. So Tukey, um, it's, a, it's an idea that's been kind of stewing around in my brain for, for quite a while. Um, but the idea is, uh, two million years ago, there was a moment in time when multiple human species were alive at the same time. Can you hear me okay? There's a lot of construction across the street. Uh, yeah, no, when you're coming okay. in loud and clear. Um, just say yes, so if I, I can make okay. an adjustment. Uh, two million years ago, more than one human species existed at the same time. You had Australopithecines, of which there were multiple versions, uh, uh, sections. Uh, they had Homo habilis, you had, uh, you had Homo erectus, you had Paranth- Paranthropus, Boise. Mm-hmm. You, so, I just thought that was an astonishing moment that you would have, you know, evolution is not the, this like, like, like you see the neat little bumper sticker of a, of a chimpanzee slowly standing upright. And yes, a yeah. No, it's, it was scattershot. It was happening all over, uh, East Africa and somewhere in the jungles, somewhere in, in the mountains. And they were all separated from each other for hundreds and sometimes millions of years. And they all, Evolved. They mm. did, basically adapted to whatever situation they were in, but they were all still alive. And into this mix, two million years ago comes our direct ancestor, Homo erectus, mm-hmm. who had the secret of fire. Yeah. And I thought, whoa, that moment is crisply in need of someone to tell a story about that. Yeah. <laughs> and you stepped so, in the breach. Yeah. <laughs> I, I stepped right in there, man. I, it's so much fun to like learn about it and then make up, make up my mind and play in that world. Yeah. So, and yeah, and now it, 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 it started as a web comic and I, I want to get into the story too, because you know, what you've done is this, this mix of, of science, imagination and adventure. Uh, and comedy, you know, so, sure. um, but it started at, but just on a technical level, it started as a, as an online webcomic and it even kind of, it's the way you format it in the book. It reminds you of a newspaper comic strip. In a way, that was my, one of my inspirations because I had done Bone, 
but it took me 12 years and I did it mostly as a traditional comic with the one weird thing is that it turned out to be one giant story with a beginning and a middle and an end. And then I did wrestle, which was a slightly different. I never really did normal panels. I kind of did all mm. landscape cinematic panels on every page because I was kind of thinking about noir and I was trying to capture film, even though all noir, real noir is, you know, more square because it's from the forties and fifties. Sure. Uh, but I wanted to do something new when I did Tuki and I was thinking about a webcomic and I thought I should just make it fit the landscape screen, which all computers are. Mm -hmm. I also, while I was thinking about how I wanted to do this, I was visiting behind the scenes at the Billy Ireland and there was a cart with a bunch of original art on it that had people that requested and was now being put away. Mm -hmm. And on the top of it was a giant original art by Hal Foster of yeah. Prince Valiant, and it was just gobsmacking. I mean, well, wow. What a great draftsman of comics. Oh, he, he was a nut. Yeah. He, he was so, so good. Um, and I thought, that's, that's what I need to do. Instead of doing a comic book mm -hmm. or a graphic novel, I'll do like a weekly comic strip. And I didn't do it exactly like Prince yeah. Valiant. I don't want to suggest that. <laughs> but, uh, but, um, I did try to think of it as each one will be, you know, this is going to be what this week's is about. Uh, and, and I had a blast doing it and people seemed to like it. I had a good time. Uh, but when I, I then reprinted them in comic book form mm -hmm. and they, and they kind of didn't flow when you read them really straight one after another. Uh -huh. they, they were kind of stop and start. And that, that was not good enough for me. That's not, I it was unacceptable. It has to really, you you have to start and not want to stop. That's my right. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's what happened. Uh, but but also it's interesting when you started off. I mean, the books are in black and white, but the the web comic was in color. Right. Eventually, right. Um, the, the long or some of it was anyway. I, no, no, no. It, it was all in color. The com the web comic was in color. The, the comic book was also in color and in, and I did one comic book beyond what was on the web comic. Mm -hmm. But I realized a couple of things. One I just mentioned, I didn't think it was flowing. It mm -hmm. was not, there was something missing. But I also, once the, the kids came into the picture, there's some children that kind of attached themselves to Tuki. Yeah. Um, out of safety, obviously, but, uh, but then a real bond forms and I realized uh, there's a different story here that I need to be telling. And I actually need to go start from the beginning and, and start the whole thing over. Uh, and that's, that's pretty much what I did. Uh -huh. Oh, and, and when I did that, once I committed to it being a self-published by my wife and I, Vijay yeah. and I, uh, and it was going to be one of my books, hmm. uh, I went back to black and white. Uh -huh. it, it was, it's simpler. I like it. Mm -hmm. Um, and all of my books started as black and white. So. Sure, sure. Well, believe me, I mean, you're 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 a guy that can pull it off. Your your line is so rich, and of course, that you know, I, as as you've talked about in the past, it, it's hard not to think about you know Walt Kelly when you look at your you know your your work. Um, but really, uh, you've just got a style that's made for 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 adventure and for fun. And uh, so let, let's talk a little bit about the story because just like you were saying, I mean, in some ways. 
you know, uh, you know, like Rassel, for instance, this is a, this is a story that, I mean, it's kind of about technology a little bit, you know, it's, well, it's definitely about, about technology. It's about yeah. stones and fire. That's what we're <laughs> talking about. The opposite <laughs> end of Rassel's technology. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, it's like the beginning of tool making. It's the beginning of language. Uh, there's some religion and spiritual, spirit world in there, but, but, and you hinted about it a little bit, you know, Tukey is uh, Homo erectus, yeah, uh, right. And he's a clever, clever fellow. And he oh, is a, yeah. he encounters, you know, other versions of the humans. Other humans, yeah. So first, let's talk about the old man, the old timer. Okay, with his yeah, Tukey calls him Doc. Yes, right. Because he he's so him. smart, and he's like a he's like a seer. He actually does, you know, have go into like a, some kind of a trance and, magical, and yeah. Yeah, and sees uh, gods and talks to gods and stuff. Yeah. Um, he's he's a homo habilis, which means, um, well, literally it means able man. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, it, this was this was the the the, the, the human species that f- first created serious tools, not the fr- not the very first. Yeah. Australopithecines, mm-hmm. like the famous Lucy, also used stone ships. Mm-hmm. To get in and out real quick, because I mean, when you when you when you find a kill or you make a kill, you need to strip the meat off those bones real quick, because there's other hungry animals out there, with very large hyenas, especially to a little australopithecine, which is not much larger than a than a chimpanzee. Um, yes, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they, I mean, they were pretty much they were human from the waist down, mm-hmm. and uh, more chimpanzee really from the waist up, except. They have fairly large brains, the Australopithecines. Ah. But anyway, uh. They figure, they figure prominently in this story as well. Yeah. So when the, but the, a lot of scientists kind of consider the first really human or, or just, it's not even necessarily one of our ancestors, but, uh, was the Homo habilis, the old man doc. And his people were the first to like come up with these really big stone choppers, really yeah. sharp, precision, Big handle on the end. I mean, and they could like crack a skull. They could, uh, they could open up the bone and get to the marrow, which is a lot more protein and mm-hmm. to feed that brain. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's not long. Well, I mean, it could have been a hundred thousand years or it could have been 200 or a million, mm-hmm. but it was, but then the next, uh, the next person to show up on the scene are the Homo erectus. Uh, and they are, there are direct ancestors. Right. They, and this, they are, there's a little, could they talk? Maybe. Even, even Homo habilis, when they do casts of their insides of their skulls, mm-hmm. they'll find these, um, areas, they're, they're called the, the Broca's area. Mm-hmm. This is a very important, uh, part of our brain that's involved in speech. And certainly by the time of Tukey, if you look at these skulls, from that time period, underneath, uh, there's a very clear space for uh, a larynx, for a voice box that's long enough to modulate sound. So whether or not Tukey could talk the way you and I are talking, he was there, he was the first one to have the equipment. Mm-hmm. So, right. you know, they're always pushing everything back. Oh, they've just found that they made fire earlier than we thought. Oh, they just found out they were, they were, they were, uh, Homo erectus in, in Europe earlier than we thought. Well, I, I assume they could talk earlier than they think. 
that they could think earlier than we think. Yeah. I'm kind of of the idea that it wasn't so much that they were primitive compared to us. They just had less technology than us mm-hmm. or, or just hadn't had as much cultural development. Uh, I think they were probably, so that's, that's the way I, that's the way I handle Tiki. Yeah. I think compared to what's been on the scene at that time, two million years ago, he is quite, he is quite a revelation. Right. Not only because he's got fire, but because he has compassion. He has a little bit more, um, forward thinking. I, he's the new thing. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I, I refigured the story because I wanted the kids to be inspired by him or influenced by him and to start being the, they are the new thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Now, when you say and the kids, Doc, is, and Doc is kind of stuck. Doc is kind of stuck in the old way. Right. They, they're afraid of fire. They actually find, think fire is taboo. Yeah. It belongs to the gods and it's dangerous and it should not be happening. So Tuki finds himself being hunted by people that are really not very smart and, um, are really locked into like bad conspiracy theories. But he encounters, um, and, and these must be Homo erectus as well, children. Yes. Kind of lost and kind of, uh, the victims of, I guess, you know, a war between the, the, those the, who fear fathers, yeah. those who put it to use. Yeah. There's the, the big, the big conflict in Tuki is, is between the, the fire people, which are the Homo erectus and the Habiline, which mm. are the Homo erect, uh, Homo habilis. Yeah. Um, but somehow Tuki kind of manages to pick up this kind of mismatched group of, He's got like one Australopithecus who's this like this little outcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's kind of weird. Uh, he can't talk. Um, he, they, he does not have the equipment. Um, and he's kind of strong too. We don't really know. He's kind of weird. We don't know about him yet, but he's an outcast from his people. And, but he's hanging out with Tuki and Doc is also an outcast because his people who are very, they're very rigid. Their, their beliefs are locked in and they're very narrow and they don't like some of his, uh, some of the things that he t- reveals to them. Uh, we don't know exactly what it is that got him kicked out, but he's been kicked out. And so he ends up hanging around with Tuki and so do the kids. Uh, and, and he actually starts enjoying the fire himself. Yeah, well, that's a great comment sequence, but, but I want you to talk about the, 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 uh, the, the kids. Uh, okay. The, the reluctant fellow travelers, uh, were Tuki's kind of reluctant at first anyway. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, 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 when I first started working on the story, I kind of went for the, um, the Ronin, you know, the. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, that's. Yeah, he's, seems, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, or, you know, or the Clint Eastwood, you know, the man with no name. I figured he was wandering. He's got a story, but right now he's just kind of lost. And so he's doesn't know what to do except go. Uh, and he comes across, you know, eventually comes across all these different characters, including the two children mm-hmm. who are orphans. Also, they're orphans and they, they, he's not really ready to like be responsible for this small troop he's got with him now of, of followers, but they won't leave him because he turns out that he's 
really a pretty good fighter. It doesn't seem to be scared of very much. Uh, uh, so they've, they've all kind of, and, and a bond develops between him and them. So he's, he's reluctant for the first two books, but by the end of the second book, you're kind of thinking he, he's, he's, he's not going to ditch him. No, 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 no. And that's like, uh, there's two sisters, right? La and. All right. And, La and. And her brother. What's her, I forget her name. Re. Z. Oh, is it? Oh yeah. La and Z. And then the brother is Re. Or his name I, is Renan. His name is Renan, Re, yeah. which was kind of a play on the Linus's younger brother, Rerun. Oh, yeah. uh, but, but Tuki just calls him Pup. There and the go. three of them kind of play different roles. Uh, La is a little bit older, so she's a little more traditional. So she's into what, you know, the, the, the adult women folk are into, you know, hunting and ga- or, uh, gathering and digging roots and medicines. Uh, Pup's the same way. He, he likes to go hunting. He really wants to make his own pointed stick to go hunting with and, um, to be like Tuki. Uh, but Z, is the youngest and she's a little, she may, she may be, we don't really know which structure she's going to go in. She's actually starting to draw a little swirly things. She might be an artist. Yeah. She yeah. might be a little more, she might be the new direction that Tuki is pointing us in. And you, as you were, were about to mention, you know, Doc, you know, they're, they're appalled at this use of fire and keep it yeah. around. Yeah. Also, he doesn't want to be left behind either, but you right, know, right. so he reluctantly follows, but you know, yeah, he snipes at him all the time. It's like, yeah. fire, this is not going to go well. You, you, they will, they are going to kill you if they catch you with this fire. And Tuki's like, well, you don't have to stick around. He's like, but he has to because he's all alone. He's yeah. And when he starts really getting close to meat grilling on the fire, that kind of breaks him down a little bit too. Oh yeah. Go yeah. ahead, draw if you want. Oh, mm, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm having fun. I, I mean, some, obviously some of this is very made up. I, I tried to make, I tried to make where it takes place at the time very real. Sure. Um, but I had to, you know, I, you know, I had to create interest and stories and I, I, that seems kind of believable. I also have, there's gods and yeah. new gods. And I've, I've, I've had a lot of people ask me, Calvin, like, why? How, how, what, how is, how do you justify that balance having fantasy and it's, and all the realness? Well, my, two of my favorite books are the Iliad and the Odyssey. Yeah. And they are purportedly about real things that happen to real heroes, real Greeks. Um, and yet the gods are just effing with people the yeah. whole time. Yeah. The whole time they're just totally like, I'm gonna zap with you people. They're all a bunch of galactuses just destroying human lives. And yet, I, so that to me has always been my favorite kind of storytelling. La Morte d'Artur was one of the first, was one of the first like kind of mythic level books I ever read about King Arthur. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing. You've, it's supposed to be a real place in England with a, with a real first king, which we know is more myth than yeah. Real, but, but it's supposed to be real. And you've got Merlin. You've got, you know, maidens sitting around a fountain in the middle of the woods to, to point you into your next direction. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the best stuff. 
Yeah. That's the best stuff for me. Well, you like this. It's it's you know, like I said, there's science, but this is this is storytelling, and you know, and yeah. all bets are off. Whatever it takes, yeah. <laughs> whatever it takes to drag you into this story, so that yeah. you get away. Uh, you'll who knows what the who knows what people thought back then. Exactly, no. <laughs> but the, the mix, uh, the use of fire, the clever hero. The, um, I guess you could call the family of choice. Yeah. Uh, together. Uh, it's a great and exciting mix. So is this what the, tell us what the, the, the Dawn of Man tour is about. So the Dawn of Man tour is, um, we put out Tuki book one right before Christmas last year mm-hmm. okay. and put out book two, fight for family this summer. Great. Yeah. Uh, and both of them actually got traction. There's, I mean, Tukey book one is in its third printing and book two is in its second printing already. Excellent. So, uh, V and I just looked at each other and went, we've got to promote this. We, we got to, because with COVID, we just haven't done anything like that in yeah. a while. Well, that's, I'm sure it must be great to actually get out and meet the fans. Yeah. So, uh, I, I don't know where it came from. I just said, Donna Man Route 66 tour. Let's make it happen. <laughs> and only part of it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tour. It's going to go on all year. The first stop is actually like just like two weekends from now, Emerald City in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Great. In, yeah. In, in just about two weeks. That's, that's the first stop. Only two weeks of it is actually on Route 66. The last two weeks <laughs> in April. Um, I'm sure we, we'll, we, if we have it, we'll send you the, the dates if you want to put a link. To I think, it. yeah, I think the, I think I've got, I mean, I think there's up around. I was looking at there the, are rounds. We definitely is posted them for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. um, that's going to be from Chicago, you know, down through, uh, St. Louis and Tulsa and Albuquerque all the way to LA, uh, and then kind of go up into Northern California a little bit. Um, uh, so it, so that's the idea. We're going to, I don't know, like people, like even in our office meetings at cartoon books, we're like, well, why Route 66? I said, it just sounds fun. It's every cool. Time, every time I say it to someone, they go, that's cool. Yeah. So I don't know where it came from. I just think it, it kind of hits something in, in the American psyche, you know, so. Well, it does for sure. Yeah. We got like 12, 12 stops. We're going to do comic book stores. We're doing Great. libraries. We're doing bookstores. Uh, it's, and of course, we're going to make time to go visit the world's largest bottle of wine of yarn or whatever. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> and why not? And well, why not? I mean, one of the great, uh, one of the reasons why I love talking to you. I mean, I think, you know, we, we, I encountered you. Uh, in the nineties, I know I found like that, the first story I think I wrote about Bone from 1995. Yeah. yeah. And it was. You showed me that today. Yes, I just sent it to you because I kept saying, I know I wrote about him because we talked about, we, you, you, I mean, right, obviously graphics is, is your publisher of the yeah. color versions, but Cartoon Books continues to publish that giant Omni edition. Yes, yep, yep. Of Bone. Um, yeah. And when I first encountered you, you were, you were self-publishing the trade paperbacks. Uh, I mean, uh, Vijay was your publisher, I assume. That's when yeah. the book started. Oh, and yeah. 
that right? Yeah, yeah, we started. It was just the two of us, uh, and then we rented a little A-frame in the Santa Cruz Mountains. And she had a she had a day job uh, with a little. Uh, she was doing data entry, or no, she was writing program. She was a program. Um, uh, and but she was already my partner. Was we were you know she knew I would discuss all my plans with her. Mm-hmm. She was an, she was basically an editor as well because I would bounce all my ideas and stories on her. And my idea was, you know, I'd worked on Bone for many years since I was a kid in some ways. I did for years at my college newspaper. And now here, 10 years after that, I was ready to, to do it. Giant, this giant story. I told Vijay the whole plan. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't perfectly detailed out granularly, but, uh, I knew the job, the basic plan. And we were like, you know, uh, fantasy's not cool right now. This is in between the period of like uh, heavy metal and, that kind of fan and Lord of the Rings being cool as a book. Yeah. Uh, and the Lord of the it, Rings. This is before Harry Potter, I would imagine. Yeah. Well, Harry yeah. Potter started actually, actually after Bone. Uh, yeah. A couple of years. So it was right around, yeah, no, it was before Harry Potter. So anyway, we decided we have to do it as a comic book. We'll do it bi-monthly because that's how, you know, the, the, the indie books like Cerebus or Love yeah. of Rockets and all those, that's how yeah. they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and but each book will be secretly a chapter in a larger fantasy story that will take a long time to do. I wasn't quite sure. It could be 10, 15 years. I wasn't sure. Um, and then slowly, as we got to the end of what would become Act One, I dropped the bomb and revealed Grandma Ben's secrets. And yes. we find out why Grandma's like Thor's been living with her grandmother in the middle of the dark fairy tale woods <laughs> for all this time. And then the rest is history. Yeah. So, but, but, uh, what was the question? It was something about. Well, the question, I really, I'm trying to lead us into you talking a little bit more about cartoon books. Okay. And I wanted to go back to the beginning because look, we, we live in a transformed world now. When we first started, uh, I mean, I think the revolution in, in introducing the book format to the comics world was kind of just getting off the ground in the nineties. Oh, yeah. And really later on, the manga revolution would kind of hit. Uh, the comics market and the broader North American comics market. Now, of course, we live in a world of, of comics that is mul- that is multiple genres. We love superhero comics, but it's not the only genre as to some extent it was for a long time in American comics. You've oh, done, yeah. I mean, you, I didn't mention Shazam. You, <laughs> yeah. know, you know, you've done that uh, for DC, but we, 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 we from starting with you in the 90s to now, we're living in a world where you go to uh, comic shops or Barnes and Nobles, independent bookstores, you know, or the local comic shop. And we've seen just an explosion of, of comics to all kinds of readers and yeah. especially young readers. Yeah, it's uh, it's the the the, the quick. The quick montage that I see was that there was, you know, starting in even maybe the late seventies, but in the eighties, there were some collections. Oh, sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of them were called, yeah, yeah, I mean, um, Contract with God was 78. 78, something like that, late seventies, yeah. Um, but they rarely were kept in print. A lot of them were like, you know, Marvel one-offs of, you know, the Silver Surfer or something. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really stay in print. Um, and then in 1986, that to me was the big bang. The, the, this was the, the, you had, you had Frank Miller did the, huh? 
Was that Watchmen? It was Watchmen? Yeah. Dark Knight Returns? Yes. Mouse, yes. And the Cerebus, the first Cerebus phone book. Yes, did. So, and these were books that were, that functioned as real self-contained books and were worked to be kept in print. Yes. Uh, I don't know if that was their intention, but that was, that's what happened. Yeah. Now, there was not a lot of activity after that. There was a lot of, again, Marvel and DC made a bunch of collections, but I don't think they did much. But then you had in the 90s, you had like me and Neil Gaiman and starting to take control and putting yeah. these Sandman. collections out. Mm-hmm. Sandman collections. And, and Neil had quite a bit to do with his collections. Uh, and I obviously, yeah, had, with Jay and I, we knew exactly what we were going to do. Because we had a story that people needed to be able to read from the beginning. They needed to be able to get it cheap and catch up to where the comics were. So that was our plan, and it worked. It worked. I have that written somewhere in the business plan. It says, in order to keep readers kept up, we are going to, once a year, reprint the books from the previous year. And and I said in, and I put it in quotes, graphic novels. Because I didn't think a banker would know what the hell I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, a, I mean, once again, you're, you're hitting on two big points. Uh, going back to print, going back to print, which yep. wasn't always what comics publishers do. The collectibles market kind of handled that to a yep. certain extent. You know, you, when you went to back issues to get there was uh, push, there was pushback on that. For sure. Yeah. I, but the book industry and you, that, that you were joining, I guess, whether you knew it or not. <laughs> Well, I did not know it at first because it's, it was, it's about you know, reprints. The, it's about yeah, the, uh, the, 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 uh, the comic book distributors were very opaque. Yeah. We did not know how many, well, how many, I didn't know how many stores were buying bone. I didn't know how many issues that any particular store would buy. Uh, I didn't know what stores were, who was buying them. Yeah. And in the second half of the nineties, uh, libraries were buying them, school yeah. libraries and regular libraries. Uh, and I heard a lot all of a sudden, like at the end of the nineties, that this was the first book that they could put on a shelf next to mouse, which that's what I heard. I, they told me that. Hey. So, <laughs> I, I mean, just, I just think that was a timing thing. <laughs> but I used to, I used to have very around right in that early period of the early two thousands. I had a lot of conversations with, uh, Eisner and with Spiegelman. And That's I, he's talking about people. <laughs> Will Eisner, Will Eisner, and Art Spiegelman. And we were we were actually at um, an Ohio State Festival of Cartoon Art, mm-hmm. which was the precursor to our our CXC that we do now. Uh-huh. We were we were in between programs, and we were just talking in the hall, and we were talking. I'm trying to remember the. Ex- I don't remember who said what, but here's the gist. Mm-hmm. There's just a handful of books. It's a very small shelf. I th- actually, I think this was Art who was saying this. There's a very small shelf of reliable, resellable books that's in every library and in every store. And I'm all anxious about how do we how do we get more? How do we make this grow? So you know, and and he's like, and he, Art was just like, it'll grow. You know, yeah. don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah. So that was that was a very interesting moment. And then in 2002. The ALA has their pre-conference, which is always about That's whatever the conference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was after the, that was that year of 2002 was graphic novels because that was a thing. Yeah. And again, I was with Art, Neil, 
Gaiman and Colleen Dorn, we were all invited to speak. Oh, all great comic uh, Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we were before, in the morning, we we're all huddling together. All right, we're gonna we're gonna get him. We're gonna convince all these librarians that this is it. This is our moment. We're gonna do it. And we all had a plan on how to convince them that comics are they're re- it's reading, it's literature. Well, immediately uh, it was obvious that we didn't need to convince them of shit. They well, knew they knew exactly. What yes, was no problem. In fact, what they wanted was how to get more. How to get more. Because they told this. At, oh, can I just, I'll just say one more thing. But keep going. At that conference, at that conference, I was told multiple times that all the libraries were losing, uh, checkout volumes. Che- you know, re- checking out books was going down in all sections except for graphic novels, which had gone up 300% Absolutely. at that time. Absolutely. So it was, it was a very exciting kind of a tipping point. Uh, to the whole shebangy. Well, and this is in, in in some ways this is a, a another version. This is the pre the pre the prehistory of comics in the book trade. Um, yeah. we actually put me and Heidi and Heidi McDonald from the B. We put together a timeline, and that particular ALA meeting is on the timeline. As a, as a you know, but I'll tell people go to publisherswiki.com slash comics, and you know, put timeline in the search engine there. And we put a timeline together, uh, last year that then that's one of the moments that are, uh, that in fact is on there. And, and, there, and publishing a bone is on there as well. There were some, oh, thank you. Uh, I, uh, well, there were some amazing moments that I almost didn't even, I was in them. Although well, I would put it this way. There were a lot of, a lot of stairs on the way up to where we're at now. Mm-hmm. I was on every one of those steps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should say on each landing. I was on all the landings. Anyway, I was there. I yeah. was in the room for sure. Well, tell us because what you do now, cartoon. Look, you have graphics. If it, well, for those who don't know, I mean, Bone, the Bone, and the color versions uh, of Bone are published by Graphics, uh, which is an imprint of Scholastic, and it is. And it's just a murderer's row of great middle great cartoonists. I mean, Buckemeyer oh, publishes there, Dave Kolke, uh, Jeff Smith. Uh, I'm, I'm leaving people out, but believe me, you, you probably Tazu, have to. Tazu Yes, yes. I mean, there's just, I, I mean, it really is. It is a murderer's row and, uh, row of, of incredible heavy hidden comics artists. Yeah. Uh, they, um, I got a phone call first from, Actually, Vijaya got a call first from the publisher of Scholastic. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to launch a new imprint, uh, the first of its kind, like a mainstream graphic novel imprint for YA. And they wanted to launch it with uh, Bone. There you go, baby. And then I got a call. Then I got a call from Art Spiegelman. Because he was talking to them at that time and wanted to be involved in it. Uh, and he says he was, it was his idea to launch Graphic to Bone. This, the, Cassandra and Pelham and David Saylor, they all say their idea was to launch it. Yeah, yeah. That, the, those, um, all of the, those are the graphics editors you mentioned. Uh, yeah. And they're, and they're brilliant because after Bone, they just kept it going. They just kept, Plucking people, so these, like you said, they, they, 
it's what is it like gra- YA books, graphic novels are like some giant percentage of all books now, right? It, well, it, it, middle grade graphic novels are driving this. Now it's growth across the board. Um, uh, and on the adult side, uh, on the young adult side, but you know, what, what graphics does is sort of amazing. It, it, it the, the, the numbers, the sales, the incredible reach of the artists that publish alongside of you, their graphics. It's just, uh, they have changed the game for comics. Uh, oh, in North America. Yeah, no, uh, yes, uh, yeah. Particularly no, uh, North American comics. I mean, the book trade was, uh, the, the impact of the book trade on North American comics weirdly took a little while longer than it has in the rest of the world. Where yeah. comics are not a strange, not considered a strange part of the book trade in yeah, or in Asia. It's like, it's like mystery books or, there's there's a comic section. There's a yes, exactly, section. and and it's multiple genres of comics too. So there's fantasy, there's adventure, there's crime. Uh, we're seeing romance comics now. We're seeing all kind of adult sci sci fi. You're doing. I mean, you did adult sci fi with Russell. Uh It's looking comics publishing is looking like publishing should look books for everyone. With, yeah, it's what we it's what we dreamed about. Yes, back in the day. It's, 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 it actually kind of came here. Yeah. Speaking of back in the day, you said, I think we were met somewhere in New York when you wrote that article. Yes. You did. It was at the, what was it? Uh, some anniversary of the National Cartoon Society at the Waldorf Astoria. Really? I can't, cause I couldn't remember. I know I met you somewhere. I can't remember what, what that was. Cause I think we've been communicating by email or something. I don't know. I think you had done, I think you had done a very short, uh, recommendation for the Great Cow Race, uh, graphic novel, uh, bef- prior to the one you showed me today. And so I probably wrote to you and I know, or I, or I'm, I found out who you were at the Waldorf Astoria and came and found you. That could have been. But yeah, but yeah, it's possible. I because I can. I'm a little. I'm a little fuzzy. I know we. It was a long time ago, man. <laughs> it was a long time ago. But I had your books, and I just said, "This guy's selling books hand over fist." Great story. Uh, I had a little column at the time in, in publishing. We could call publishers briefly, and yeah. it was about small press and self publishing. So uh you were right in the. You were you were perfect for. Uh, I was in the sweet spot for that for sure. Yeah. So I do want to say before we, yeah, now cartoon books, um, you, you, you're, while you have your publishing with graphics, I mean, your major works, all of them, you know, Boone, I mean, Bone, Rassel, and now Tookie, they're published by cartoon books. And you've also evolved into the world of crowdfunding books. Cause I mean, Tookie raised a lot of money, right? What's it? $270,000, I think. Yeah. And it actually in the, in, once we started doing the, um, the the wrap up and asking people for their addresses and stuff, if they, they ordered more stuff, it, it, we we topped uh, three hundred thousand. It's amazing. No, it's this is and what we're seeing now. This convergence with the of self publishing, the Kickstarter format. You know, if you've got the goods, you can find your support out there in the world. Yeah, and um, so what I'm curious about now, uh, can we expect to see more Tuki? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm writing the, I'm writing the third one now. Oh, okay. I, I hope there'll be six altogether. 
Oh, awesome. Okay. So I'm writing this, I'm writing the third one. So hopefully it'll come out next year. Okay. Um, this year we're actually planning another Kickstarter and I have not announced it, but, uh, I'll, in fact, I, I probably will get in trouble if I say too much. Okay. That's all so right. We're going to do another Kickstarter that's um, right. this year and we're, we're working on trying to maintain a balance between the Kickstarter world and the comic book stores mm-hmm. because the comic book stores are our, still our bread and butter. Sure. Well, there are, there are backbone. Let's put it yes. that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're probably going to do it the same way we did with Tukey. We're going to make, we make a, 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 a rewards level mm-hmm. uh, that's a tier that's strictly for retailers, Great. brick and mortar retailers, and they can, they can get them at 50% off. They just have to order, you know, like a X amount, mm-hmm. um, which is probably better than they would get from a distributor or anything. So I just got to get the word out. To comic book shops, uh, you can, you can go on there and you can get these books at, uh, retailer discounts. Great. That's a, that, now I am curious. We love the black and white, but I'm curious. Bone made the journey into color. Is that, uh, may we, is, you know, is there some possibility that Tukey may as well? Oh yeah, probably. Yeah. Everything's, all things. Doesn't are, give me another excuse to sell it again. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, but I think you, I also love you to tell, I mean, the, the books also are full with supplementary materials about how you put them together. Uh, really all the stuff we've been talking about here, uh, how you thought about Tuki. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about what you'd expect to find, uh, in the backs of the book. Well, this was actually brought about by, uh, the Kickstarter campaign mm-hmm. because you, I'm sure most people know how, how they work, but Kickstarters work by reward levels. Uh, mm-hmm. and they could be something as simple as, uh, upgrade to a, a, a hardcover or get a pin or it could get, um, a little more fancy. So I'm saying if, if we, if we go this far above our, what we, our pledge goals are right. We'll start adding things. The stretch like making this an even cooler book. We'll use better paper and all that kind of stuff. And one of the goals we added in was I'll do a big, uh, kind of process section, a big behind the scenes. Cause I love that stuff in, I'm a, I'm a Blu-ray freak. Yeah, yeah. I love watching movies and behind the scenes stuff. And I love, so that's kind of what I did. I said, I got to do a, a Blu-ray DVD behind the scenes section, special edition stuff. Uh, and that's what it was. And I, I went through it. I, I talked about specific references that might, you know, be interesting to people like this, the fruit that Tukey's eating yeah, oh, yeah. Is, is an actual fruit that's still around in Africa, Africa today, uh, referred to locally as, as a monkey fruit, monkey orange. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not been crossed uh, cultivated or anything. So it's very much like it would have been two million years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought, so I have, a, I have this thing that could be there. And that, that's the kind of information I was putting in there. Mm-hmm. I was backing up some of the assertions that the character would have about like talk doc was saying, it's in the, it's in the Habiline lore that we invented the stone chopper. Mm-hmm. And I backed that up in the, in the sure. back. Yeah. Yeah. You, you and I show pencil drawings. Yes, oh, and you talk about how you you went from how you adapted from the web comics to the print volumes as you which we were talking about earlier. Yes, and I I was like it was way more complicated than I bet people would have thought. So that's <laughs> yeah. why I, that's why I threw that in there. So like 
it's ridiculous what we cartoonists are willing to put ourselves through. <laughs> well, I mean, you look at the work that goes into these things. Yeah, I mean, Rassel's nearly 500 pages of, of spectacular storytelling. So we can expect a lot more to come on, on, uh, on Tukey as, as, yes. as I should say, as they, well, they found the Moab. They uh, did. They found the Moab, which is the can most. They keep it. Can they keep it though? Yeah. Ah, so there's <laughs> more to come. If I may coin more it. to come. Yes. That's, that's, that's the uh, plot of book three. Yeah. All right. I, 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 it's, it's got a, it's a kind of a doozy too. I'm excited. <laughs> well. Jeff, look, this has been really great, uh, talking to you. I think we're probably winding it up now. Um, so the, the, the Dawn of Man tour has started. Uh, you're heading for Emerald City. Uh, and what is that? Is that in April? Uh, it's, I think it's in, it's like March. 7th. Oh, it's in March. It's, in March. Oh, it's right early, very early March. It's like two weekends from now. So right. I think it starts March 3rd. I would probably. All right. Know. All right. Uh, yeah, I can't wait, man. And then uh, I'm doing. Is it going to bring you to New York? I think so. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, so. that's, there's another more to come. So, well, maybe. No, there's a, yeah, there's a, check out the, it's, we, we, we go on, on social media. We keep updating the, the, the tour. All right. All right. Hey, I, I, I got to tell you that I was excited all day to talk to you, Callan. I haven't seen great. you in a while. And it's always fun to talk, man. Yeah. It's really great. <laughs> haven't had a chance to talk to you in a while. You know, look, I love your comics. Always have. You just, you just create more stuff for us to love. What, what's not to like? Thanks, man. <laughs> All right. Look, it's great. Thank you so much for being on More to Come. All right. Thank you. Great to be here. Take care, man. Bye.